Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Sorcerer's Orphan, a podcast created to dissect and explore the inner workings and inspired accidents that have helped the Flaming Lips write, create, and record some of our most iconic music and songs. I'm Stephen Droz, and I will be your host and your guide for this half hour of discussion and rememberings. Thank you for joining us. Here we go. This is the song All for the Life of the City from the album King's Mouth. All for the Life of the City is a song that tells about the heroic life and tragic death of, well, the king. And you might ask, who is this king? Well, we will try to explain who the king is and how this song and this album came to be. And for this podcast, we're going to focus not just on one song, but a whole record. And we'll talk about how a member of The Clash became involved in this record. We will talk with some newer members of The Flaming Lips about the recording process. We will also talk about the immersive art installation that is entrancing audiences of all ages as it makes its way around America, playing in art museums and creative happenings. Thank you for joining us. We have a great, unique story ahead for you. And we have to start somewhere, so let's start at the beginning with the very first thing that was recorded. album began back in June of 2015. It all started as an open-ended jam session, so not actually written, but kind of everybody playing and contributing to its creation. So it was written and recorded at the same time with Dave Fridman at his studio in upstate New York, but later edited and sculpted at Pink Floor Studios in Oklahoma City with Dennis Coyne. And at the time we are making this podcast, it is set to be released on April 13th, 2019. So its very beginning was in June 2015, and is just being released now in 2019. Quite a long time in the making.
First off, I'd like to share with you that if you're able to go to Google, do a search for the king's mouth, the flaming lips, and see if you can look at an image of the king's mouth. It's a giant, shiny, drippy, blobby sculpture. It has a giant head standing 10 feet tall by 10 feet wide. So yes, it's a giant head, and the mouth of this giant head is very wide open, and you enter into this giant head through this giant mouth like you're entering a cave. Once inside this giant mouth, you lay on its soft rubber tongue and teeth and stare up and watch and listen and experience a kind of hovering three-dimensional story that is told through music and hundreds of suspended LED strands, all organized and in sync and connected in a powerful emotional journey. The King's Mouth is part of a new immersive and experienced-based art movement. Let's rewind back to 2012 at the womb in Oklahoma City. The womb is the gallery and creative workspace where we, the Fleming Lips, had invited some of our artist friends and musicians to have different Halloween parties, Christmas parties, spring equinox parties, New Year's Eve parties, birthday parties. Well, you get it, parties with our friends. The King's Mouth made its first appearance in the front gallery. Its very beginning incarnation was simply a round chamber that held six or seven people. A single dancer would be gyrating to different DJ sets, and well, it was a little bit too up close and personal. So this chamber was quickly converted into a little cosmic movie theater. Six or seven or 20 people would now lay inside the chamber and peer up at the confrontational psychedelic movies created by Wayne and George. And so at first, it was just simply a round chamber. And then, as creative people do, a face was added to the chamber. The face was cobbled together with chrome balloons, silver duct tape, and aluminum foil. The ornate drippings around the forehead resembled a king's crown. Partygoers would start to refer to the faced movie chamber as the king. And before too long, it would be called the king's head. And eventually, because you would crawl in through his mouth, it came to be known as the king's mouth. So, the king's mouth was a very popular staple of the womb parties. Early on, a lot of the music that was played inside the king's mouth was not exclusively flamingless music. Some of it was mashups of favorite musics of ours, I remember a particularly inspired mashup of the South African group Diane Tord's song I think you're freaky and I like you a lot mashed with Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks. For the most part, it was very loud and adult-oriented. You have to remember that these were parties with our friends and there weren't a lot of young children hanging around. I was about to start my job as assistant director of the American Visionary Art Museum in Baltimore. This is John Lewis, the assistant director at the American Visionary Art Museum from 2015 to 2016. I knew that Wayne, I was certainly familiar with Flaming Lips music, but I knew that Wayne did visual art as well, kind of as as this kind of extension of the Flaming Lips universe and what it is. And it's seen the album covers, posters, t-shirts. And there were a couple images on Instagram 
of King's Mouth, maybe it was called King's Head at the time, I was totally intrigued by it because the images, they looked, they were startlingly beautiful. So I contacted Wayne and he invited me down to Oklahoma City to the womb to see it in person. And sure enough, it was, it was startlingly, startlingly beautiful. Um, I was really intrigued uh, by the possibility of putting it in a museum setting because I'd never seen a piece of art quite like that in a museum setting. Um, a piece that invited you to crawl inside. Um, that was just an amazing, the potential in that was just incredible. So John encouraged us to try to make the King's Mouth more family-friendly and more Flaming Lips-specific. Meaning, could we use all original music instead of mashups, and could we not use collages of found footage? It would be all original music and visuals created by the Flaming Lips. We quickly moved to composing the abstract and softly dynamic music story that would be the template and the guide for what the elaborate LED light show would dance to. In June 2015, we, the Flaming Lips, who are now a seven-member ensemble, were set to record at Tarbox Road Studio B. Studio B is a large open studio room with partitions and soundproofing, separating the sounds of the different musicians from each other. In other words, it's a big room where a big group can play live. You know, my experience doing music like that before was all, you know, from playing in symphonic band in high school. We're speaking with Matt Kirksey, drummer, percussionist, and electronic samples rhythm player. He's been a member of the Flaming Lips since 2014. Here's what he remembers from this marathon session. You know, when you're trying to trying to make music that's, that's um, you know, uh, bombastic and moves like an orchestra would move and has you know this strange feeling to it it's weird to try to just come up with that type of music on the spot you know and i remember there being like moments of like well how how do we even begin to make music like this as a group of people together in the same room where someone hasn't gone before us and written it all down and, and made the decisions ahead of time but I feel like once we started doing it, um, Stephen would kind of maybe hear something that he liked and um, would just kind of, you know, uh, he would he would say, you know, that's a cool moment. Like, what if we move to, to this chord after that? What if there was a timpani after that or, or maybe a chime or something like that? 
And before we knew it, all of a sudden we just had a piece of music that wasn't like a typical piece of music that was in a 4-4 time signature and you could jam along to, but you just had to wait until you hear someone play a timpani and then you would play your keyboard part and then you would play the drum part and it would just move like that. It was, it was interesting. These type of intense jam sessions where all of us are playing and listening and reacting to each other are sometimes painful and boring, but oftentimes end up yielding great, spontaneous, otherworldly, and magical musical moments. At the end of the day, we ended up playing and recording for hours and hours, knowing that in the end, it might all be condensed down to just a few moments. Here's a passage from the Marathon Ensemble live session. And here is what it turned into. The first version of it is very jagged and dramatic and lumbering. The second version, the version that is now actually used inside the King's Mouth installation, is more soothing and dreamlike. Wayne will often want two extremes at the same time. Here are both versions playing at the same time and on top of each other. Here's what Wayne had to say about this process. When, when I talk about going from one piece of music and then you, you hear it change so dramatically, um, it, it, I guess it can seem like it's a, a trick or something. So we're, we're recording one piece of music knowing we're going to turn it into something completely different. But that's not at all the way it is happening when we're doing it and when we're recording anything it, it, as much as we can we we believe in it and want it and are trying to make it work um 1000 percent um because it's difficult it's difficult to do anyway it's it, and it no one really knows where we're going and so you know to believe in what you're doing all the way is 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 the only way I feel like that I can, in a sense, be the director of this music and hoping that everybody is, is you know, somewhat happy and satisfied with it at the same time. And so this piece of music would have taken a long time to evolve from the, the giant crescendos and bombastic thing that we started off with to the, to the more soothing thing that it ended up being. 
Because as we we took the piece of music and started to look at it in the context of the way it was going to be experienced, meaning that we we started to build the the, the light show inside of the the chamber of the king's mouth, and we started to see what would work and what wouldn't. And I think that's one of the great 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 luxuries of the way that the flaming lips get to work you know we don't really have to make it all in the void we're kind of jumping back and forth and little by little i think we were discovering that this this jarring music didn't work as well as this more mellow soothing paced version of it and slowly it started to go from being you know something that was kind of you know slightly painful and, and 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 throwing you around to something that really did allow you to sit there and in in the sense in the in the king's mouth lay there and kind of just peer up at this thing without having too much anxiety you know we want you to enjoy it and i think the the this more mellow version did highlight the drama of it instead of the drama being up all the time this air of unexpectedness the more soothing mellow version i think lets you kind of sit in there and enjoy all of it with an occasional sound effect or something coming in and saying hey wake up or hey this is funny and we would we would sort of try it out with with live contestants so to speak as we went we we'd bring bring in our friends and they would sit inside the king's mouth and we would we would let them experience it, the lights and the music together. And I think we would notice that there would be times when they would, they might be kind of bored, but we'd also notice the other times when they would be laughing and kind of having, you know, these, these, these surprises would happen to them. And so there really is no, there's no good process or there's no good trick to it. It really is, you have to believe in the moment when you're doing it. And, and given that those moments might, you know, they might may evolve into something else. After the break, we will talk about how this art installation turned into an album of songs and how a member of The Clash came to be involved with it. We'll be right back. Greetings, curious children of all ages. The time has come to celebrate exciting new music. Flaming Lips, doing the songs and music of The King's Mouth. The story and fantasy tale of a futuristic medieval time and place. With narration by Mick Jones, formerly of The Clash and Big Audio Dynamite. The king is dead. Cut off his head. The immersive art installation come to life through magical sounds and singing. Time far away. Time 
Flaming Lips to King's Mouth is available on Record Store Day. On Warner Brothers Records. Get it now. Oh my God, it's Flaming Lips' greatest hits. All my dreams coming true. It's got all my favorite songs. Like this one. Oh, and this. Oh my God, and hard to find songs like this one. I'm so happy. Flaming Lips Greatest Hits Available on Warner Brothers Records Get it now Thank you for listening This is The Sorcerer's Orphan A podcast where I, Stephen Drozd Dissect And discuss Some of the Flaming Lips Most iconic music and songs After the King's Mouth had successfully opened at the American Visionary Artists Museum in October 2015, there was the perception in the public's mind that there should be an album to go along with it. And we thought, well, yeah, of course, okay. We started to turn old, unused songs into new King's Mouth songs and to look for song ideas and find inspiration wherever we could. The original idea was probably 2016 or so and it was just a like a three minute long instrumental song we're talking with Derek brown a multi-instrumentalist who has been with the flaming lips since 2009 he is a guitar player a bass player a keyboard player a singer and a songwriter his unique melodic sensibilities and stellar musicianship are another weapon used in the creative struggle that can be songwriting. Oftentimes, Wayne and I will have fully formed song and musical ideas, but when we are trapped in the rut of our own stylistic habits, we often go to Derek for a fresh perspective. I don't think, I don't think in terms of the Flaming Lips have to come up with 10 songs. I mean, if Wayne is coming to me looking for an idea, sometimes it's just they have a song already that has a verse and a chorus and he just needs a, a third section or he wants some kind of I feel like I interpret it as they need some other element that maybe they're not finding that um, is going to take the song to another place or I don't know you know I become sometimes it's this tricky thing of knowing the Flaming Lips catalog so well and and knowing the kinds of things they like and and trying to come up with something that, you know, kind of fits into that world. And um, so it kind of comes with some baggage, you know. Um, well, like, like the King's Mouth song, to me, in my head, that was a whole piece of music. That was its own little trip. And... 
maybe a third of that idea kind of got taken and then another section was written. So my mind has to divorce itself from, oh, that's that song you made in your closet to now it's this Flaming Lips song with other things that you didn't write, but it's great too. But for a year or two, I just listened to my little demo of that song and then um, now it's become something that I had a hand in, but it's it's got these other artists, you know, hands in these their fingerprints on, and it's cool too. It's just I don't know. Does that make sense? Sometimes for me, it's like if Wayne and Steven have a song, and and they're looking for another part, I will literally get as scientific or musically scientific or whatever is going all right what are the chords have they really done anything with the five chord yet oh they haven't okay that's what i'm gonna do because it's like what's the what's the ingredient of this that they haven't done yet you know what's the musical songwriting trick that they haven't gone for yet have they gone for like a relative minor you know it's like so i'll kind of think like that like what's it missing you know because if you want to get really cynical about songwriting sometimes it's like well, all great songs have these things, and sometimes they're better than others, but and let's all look at what's there. Have they done this thing? Have they done that thing? No? Okay, I'll try that. The King's Mouth Songs and Album would try to outline the story and life of, well, the King. From his birth to his tragic death, and how his magical giant head became connected to the magic of the universe. And we at first thought we could do it quite quickly. The next piece of music we worked on was a composition of mine called Sparrows. All the Sparrows. This is the very first demo of a song. Well, maybe you can tell that it was recorded on my cell phone. It was a song that at the time was called Sparrows. This is from February of 2017. Just a piano and a melody, but nothing else. And now, a year later, you can hear quite a difference in how it has evolved. This is where collaborating, I think, is so cool. Remember, this is one year later, and Wayne and Dennis have reshaped the song. Wayne and Dennis started to mold and shift my original composition to fit into the sound world and the story and flow of the King's Mouth. This, to some songwriters, would be some kind of sacrilegious act. But in the Flaming Lips world, 
And definitely, I believe, it's great to have someone be interested enough in your music to want to do something with it in the first place. And then the added bonus is you get to hear something that is so much more than what you originally imagined. Now we have a song with lyrics that are telling a story, and we have music and a sound that is technicolor three-dimensional magic that fits into the King's Mouth atmosphere. Here's another section that benefited from these new touches of production. And that turned into this. What you don't hear when we are giving you just snippets of music is, is it tolerable and pleasant over a longer listening period? What I mean is, we as the Flaming Lips hope and we want you to listen to the song 1,000 times forever, infinity. We labor over the little details that don't reveal themselves over a 10-second snippet, but will reveal themselves after you've listened to it a 1,000 times. Here is one more example of how time, curiosity, and perspective can radically change a piece of music from its inception to the way it ended up. This is the track All for the Life of the City. It began as a kind of romping, kind of synth-heavy, sinister track. But it ended up being a very lighthearted, almost cartoonish, sweet song that really served our story. He walks through the streets of the city. Everyone saying hello. So our story in song form was very well in place. Wayne and I wanted this collection of songs to be not so much a concept record, but almost like a story from a storybook. And somehow, we arrived at the singer for Big Audio Dynamite. You might also know him as Mick Jones from The Clash. And though they were sad, they acted quickly and sealed up his glorious head to preserve it for all time. This is where occasionally there are serendipitous events that if you overthink it, can intimidate you out of what you're trying to do. Like I said earlier, Wayne and I had a great desire to have an actual narrator, meaning someone's voice actually speaking the lines like one would read a storybook as opposed to singing like in a musical. Some of our favorite music has narration. The album The Point by Harry Nilsson 
but also so does Death is a Star by The Clash off Combat Rock. Wayne assumed that this was Mick Jones of The Clash, but it may be Joe Strummer. We're not sure. All we know is that we love this tone, this gentle, eccentric, and inviting character. And here's the serendipitous part. We had become friends with a British singer-songwriter named Georgia who lives in northwest London in a neighborhood called Kinsel Rise, absolutely next door to Don Letts. Don Letts is a legendary DJ who's credited with introducing reggae and dub music to the London punk scene of the mid to late 1970s. His influence with The Clash is well known, and in the early 80s, he and Mick Jones formed the group Big Audio Dynamite. We asked Don to ask Mick if he might be interested in doing the narration on our Kingsmouth album. We knew it was a long shot, but Don seemed to think it was not the most outrageous idea and that Mick might actually be interested in doing something like this. We were only about a third of the way finished with the tracks, but Wayne had already cobbled together what we thought the narration would be if, by chance, Mick could slip into a studio. To our great, great surprise, just about a month later, the narration in full arrived. Mick had read and brought to life Wayne's cobbled-together text. Its tone and character was remarkably exactly what Wayne and I were hearing in our imagination. Here's the very beginning of the track, Giant Baby. You'll see what I mean. The giant newborn grew into a giant little boy. It wasn't easy to find him giant baby toys. He loved outer space and he loved the sky. He would reach up to touch it, but it was too high. Mick was our first and only choice, and bam! Our wishes and dreams came true. In this passage, we created the music to accompany Mick's wonderful performance, meaning on some of the songs, we just placed Mick's narration into already existing music. But there were a few that had no music, and we wrote the music around his words. And then, one magic night, sitting by the electric fire, It was truly a lucky and inspired collaboration that added another colorful dimension and clarity to our weird little story. So without ever singularly conceiving it, we now have another wonderful album to present to the world.
We arrived at this record by way of a backwards process, the opposite of what might usually happen. Usually an artist will have the music, songs, and lyrics first, and years later, perhaps, the products will follow. A good example of this is Pinball Wizard by the English classic rock group The Who. Originally conceived and recorded in 1969, six years later it became a Hollywood movie and turned into an actual real-life pinball machine. With our Kingsmouth album, the end product came first. The Kingsmouth installation that you can actually walk into fueled the story, which fueled the characters, which fueled the songs, which eventually fueled the whole album. Again, here's Wayne. I do sometimes think that this is a kind of a misconception about what artists and musicians, um, the way that they want to work. I, I you know, I guess it, it seems as though you're, you're, you want this complete freedom for whatever, you know, falls into your mind or whatever falls out of your mind for that to be what your creation is about but Stephen and I I think oftentimes find that we like that there's some area by which we're throwing all of our imagination into I, I remember about midway through our album that would eventually come to be the Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots album I was stumbling upon this theme of the 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 karate the, the black belt in karate Japanese warrior woman um, doing battle with with the giant for whatever the reason it was a pink robot and this started to give us some kind of something to make the songs about we already had we thought it was a sound that we were that was intriguing us and was starting to create something and i think by just verbalizing it and just by by honing it in it really it it, it really excited us and we quickly wrote one more robot song and we quickly wrote the yoshimi battles of the pink robot song and we we quickly wrote uh, what it would end up being the very first song on that album fight test and so, with the King's Mouth concept, um, which we didn't know any of that in the very beginning of coming up with the actual King's Mouth, the King's Mouth, which is the installation that you walk into. But I think just by, by virtue of what it is and how it kind of explodes your imagination just by seeing it and being in it and experience it, it started to make myself, and I think probably everybody that goes into it starts to you know impress on you this maybe there is a story that has a beginning a middle and an end and it's an optimistic story and it's a and it's a sort of magic story about the magic of the universe and the magic of your of your mind um and i think it really helped us i think it really helped us sort of want to tell these little these little pieces these little details of the story that you would maybe they wouldn't seem important in the beginning but little by little you know just just who are these 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 characters and and what is the story and what happened to them in their life and for me as a songwriter i i think it's wonderful to have 
has some kind of end point that you know you end up. And instead of having to wonder, how did it end? I get to wonder, well, how did this all begin? And that brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope this has enticed you to want to experience the Kingsmouth installation for yourself. It will be at the Rough Trade Record Store in Williamsburg, New York, from April 13th to May 20th, and it's also in Oklahoma City at the Womb Factory Obscura, running from now until September. The Kingsmouth album is available on vinyl only for Record Store Day of this year, April 13th, 2019, and then will be available in other formats at the end of July. I'd like to thank Wayne for joining me again on this podcast, but I'd also like to thank Derek Brown and Matt Kirksey of The Flaming Lips for helping me describe what writing and recording can be like from their perspective. Also, I'd really like to thank John Lewis for sharing his thoughts and his gentle encouragement. And I especially want to thank you, the listener. Thank you for your curiosity and your patience. Thank you for all your wonderful comments. We read every single one of them. In fact, one of the comments from Patrick T72 suggested that at the end of the podcast, we should play in its entirety the song that we have actually been discussing. Thank you for that suggestion, sir. We will end the podcast with this song from the King's Mouth album called All for the Life of the City. Till next time, peace and punk rock forever.
found where he was buried. Flowers grew from his toes. The mountain and sky told the story of how he held back the avalanche snow. And the king saves the day. And the king saves the day. But the king 